Well, how are you going? It's a rhetorical question. I don't really want you all to answer that. But I, I do want to know, I want you to answer it for yourself. How are you going? Have you had a good weekend? Has, have you rested? Do you feel rested from your week? Uh, some people have nodded yes. So the rest of you are jealous of those people who've just nodded yes. Uh, they're rested. Um, we're here at church and we're reading God's word. And does this feel like rest to you? Uh, we have a story of um, Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's not an uncommon story. If uh, you were to do a poll on things that Jesus did, probably feeding the 5,000 would have been in the top 10 that people would come to mind to think of the things that Jesus did. We understand that Jesus is amazing. And at church, we want you all to understand that Jesus is amazing. And that, that kid's song is spot on. Fully God, fully man. That's who he is. We want you to understand that. And we read this story and we see that he takes a crowd of people and he feeds them with just a couple of fish and some loaves. Um, there wasn't even, you know, um, Nutella or Vegemite in the basket. He just does, does amazing things with the fish and loaves. And we get it. Jesus is amazing. Um, but what does it do for us? What does a, a story like this do for us on um, this Sunday in February as 2024 is getting cracking, moving along, and we've got so much to do? Busy, busy, busy. Well, the disciples have come back from a busy time. Uh, you might remember that a few weeks ago, Jesus sent them off two by two uh, into all the villages. They've scattered out, uh, not just a bundle of 12 um, huddling together, thinking together in a pack of 12, we can be brave, but can you be brave in, in twos and without Jesus going along with you? Well, they went off and they went two by two into the villages and then there was a little um, excursion in Mark's gospel into the King Herod's palace and we heard what went on in the palace of King Herod. And now we've landed back again uh, down at street level and we see that the disciples are gathering back around Jesus. And just notice that word gathered is not incidental. The, the apostles, verse 30, the apostles, so that they are the sent ones, the were sent, that's what the word apostle means, sent ones, are now gathering back around Jesus and reporting to him all that they had done and said. And Jesus says, it's a good thing you've done and it's time for some rest. They gathered back around Jesus. And can you just imagine the stories that they would have told? In fact, in Luke's gospel, we get a bigger impression of this. They come back and they're so excited. They're telling Jesus all they've done. They cast out demons, they heal the sick. And even Jesus is excited for them. If you look in Luke's parallel story, he says, that's amazing. That's incredible. And I saw Satan fall from the sky. But A metaphor of Jesus saying, you are doing kingdom work right now. As you're preaching the kingdom of God, that is amazing. So just... Can you just imagine with the disciples coming back and they weren't just dragging their feet going, oh, we went on mission and we did some cold turkey, walk-up evangelism and, you know, not many people responded. It was, it was good, but praise God. Now they were excited. They're buzzing and it's, and it's incredible. And Jesus welcomes the, the, his little hens, his little chickens back uh, and under his wings and he says, uh, because, verse 31, because so many people were coming and going so that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Great big mission, successful job. They come back, report all the good news. Jesus says, great job. And, and you can tell that it's been a successful mission because the crowds are still buzzing. They haven't got sick of the message or the miracles yet. They're still gathering around because there's so many people coming and going, they can't even stop and eat their sandwiches that Jesus says, right, let's, let's take a rest. Let's take a rest. 
It's beautiful to just think for a second that Jesus acknowledged that even though there was plenty of work to be done, Jesus said, let's go and take a rest. Uh, There's no end to um, working in the kingdom of God. There's no end to it. But we need to um, we need to breathe in. I like this metaphor that when you when you're expending breath for the sake of the gospel, or just doing your work in life, you're raising a family, you're doing your work, you're getting your income, you're doing all the you're ed, you're being educated, whatever it is that you're doing in your life, you're exerting energy and 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 breathing out uh, because you because you're doing the things you're supposed to do. Um, you're being a good a good boy, a good girl, a good citizen. You're breathing out, but you know we need to breathe in sometimes and take a breath. We prayed in uh, in the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray a model prayer. Uh, we prayed that um, your kingdom come, your will will be done. Give us today our daily bread. Help us to be sustained today for what we need to get done. Jesus doesn't teach us to just keep on burning the midnight oil and burn and burn and work and work and work and work until you're nothing and then say, Lord, I did this for you. Because I think there's a strategy that Jesus has and God has for us where we actually do get work done and we are fruitful and we breathe in as well, that we have rest while we work. But there's, uh, there's our encouragement to find rest. Uh, they, he took them away to a, to a quiet place and to get some rest. But they don't, uh, they don't get the rest that they need. There's still work to be done, and we actually see some clues as to what it looks like to be a shepherd. Jesus makes this phrase. He says uh, he saw the crowd that, um, that had met them. When they'd gone to their solitary, quiet place, they would find that the crowds that they were trying to get away from have find their, found their way to where the boat was landing. And so it seems that the crowd and the ministry is just unstoppable it's relentless but rather than jesus saying well let's go to somewhere else he says well let's they're like sheep without a shepherd and so let's let's shepherd them and jesus gives us a little taste of what it looks like to be a good shepherd first of all he has compassion on them verse 33 but many who saw them verse 33 many who saw them uh, leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. It's amazing, this little line here. Many throwaway lines, just like the little throwaway word of the apostles gathering around Jesus. It was Jesus who they gathered to. That was their, the core of their, of their ministry was around him. And now when Jesus looks at the crowd, he doesn't just wonder what to do with them how to fix them, he has compassion on them. He looks at the crowd and he's, he's moved and he wants to care for them. It's incredible that God himself has looked at us and shown compassion on us. The God of the universe who creates everything out of nothing has stepped into the world, fully God, fully man, because of his compassion. Not because he had to, not because he was... Uh, pushed into it, persuaded, but because he has compassion. He has love for us. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's compassion is, is uh, first and foremost seen here in this crowd. He had compassion on them. And the second thing is that he, he sees the need. 
Not only does he have compassion, but he sees the need. They're like sheep without a shepherd. That's a phrase that gets picked up a few times in the Old Testament. We heard it in Numbers, that when Moses is about to die, they think, who is going to lead these people? They need a shepherd to gather them. The, the great multitude, who is the people of Israel, need their leader so that they can be one collective bunch. They need to be um, guided and, and, and led. Otherwise, they're just scattered sheep. And uh, uh, the... The, the, the uh, leaders of the Old Testament were often regarded, uh, referred to as the shepherds of Israel. And they were um, reprimanded by the prophets, saying, you are the shepherds of Israel and you're not feeding your sheep. They were bad shepherds. Well, here we have an example of Jesus who is the good shepherd. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and so Jesus, in his compassion, decides to give them a shepherd, which is himself, and look at what he does for the sheep. Verse 34, so he began teaching them many things. Now there's something for us to learn, isn't it? That when, when God looks at us with compassion and sees that we are lost and we need direction, we need, we need herding and we need to be directed in the right direction, that Jesus stops and he teaches them about kingdom truths, that the kingdom of God has come near and life under the kingdom looks like this. You look at all the, the sermons that Jesus preached in the Gospels and you can, you can unpack what the type of things he would, he would say. Um, the seek first the kingdom of God. You know, insert yourself into, into Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7 and hear the sort of things that Jesus would, would, would preach to the crowd and teach them not to be lost without a God but to be found uh, sheep with a shepherd, the one who uh, God has come in to, to lead them and guide them. And direct them. And friends, we, that's what we need. We need to know who God is. We all, citizens of the human race, <laughs> need to know who their God is and how to respond to him. And what does it look like to be in the kingdom of God? And what's lacking in us that we need uh, to enter the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus began to teach them kingdom lessons. The long and deep solution to all our problems is is the gospel. The gospel being the good news that, that the king has come, that we're not alone, that God cares about you, that he has entered the world so that you could have a relationship with him. In our songs, in our kids' spot, we've all, in our Bible readings today, we've heard time and time again that Jesus is the king, let's turn to him. That's the most important uh, thing. The gospel is the good news that God cares for us enough to enter our world in his compassion, and lay down his life for us. Well, there's the good shepherd. Uh, how to be a shepherd? Have compassion. Don't just solve problems, but have compassion for people. Uh, see the need uh, that people are lost without, without knowing the truth, and therefore solve that problem by teaching the people. But then we get into the crux of the... That's all just introduction, really. First two points. Third and last point is that he t turns to his disciples... And, and tells them it's their turn now to feed the sheep. It, it's over to them to feed the sheep. What has this passage got to do with us? Friends, I, as we go through the rest of the passage, it strikes me that God is raising up the leaders of the church who will lead, uh, who will lead the people after Jesus has died and risen to life and will take the gospel into the nations so that you and I could sit here on a Sunday across the other side of the planet 2,000 years later and hear the news 
that God has raised up shepherds to, to feed the sheep and, to, and to, um, to speak about the kingdom of God. Uh, compassion was present in these new shepherds. I'm talking about the 12 disciples. Have a look at verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So there's a bit of compassion there. Um, the cynical side of me wants to say, well, maybe their tummies were rumbling and they just thought, oh, well, let's uh, discuss, we want food. Let's tell Jesus that the people need food. And that's not what the passage says. That's my cynical side. I'm sure the disciples were, um, were, were, were good souls and were indeed thinking about the people. They were showing compassion for the people. There was a need they saw and they went to Jesus and said, we need to do something about this. And they put forward a suggestion. This is what I like about parish councils. Is you, you see a problem and you put a suggestion forward. A little plug for the AGM. Um, but they put a suggestion forward. I know what we can do. Let's, let's divide up this problem and let everybody sort themselves out. Send them all home. That's a good idea. I think, Jesus, you're, you've said so many great things. It's time for us to put an end to the sermon and send everyone home so they can have uh, a bite of food. We can do it again tomorrow. Send them away, and then we'll start again tomorrow. It's a good practical, practical solution. But Jesus then gives them a bigger challenge. He says in verse 37, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. What a challenge. Can you imagine where the disciples' minds must have gone to? I mean, we know because they give an answer. Uh, they go to practical solution number two. Uh, verse 37b, they said to him, that would take more than a half half a, wa- a year's wages, uh, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Uh, they, they, they're, they're thinking they need to go to the local IGA and, um, and buy everything out in the, uh, behind the counter, come back and feed the crowds. That's their practical answer number two, and we can't blame them for that either. Our minds go to practical solutions for everything. But they're talking to Jesus who had just sent them out on a mission, two by two, to go and cast out demons and heal the sick. They've been given power and authority by God to do things like this. And there's a little clue in Jesus' words. When he says, you give them something to eat. I'm just going to go back into the Old Testament, into 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. This is, uh, you might know that in Mark's gospel, the name Elijah has come up. People have been looking at Jesus and looking at John the Baptist and going, oh, we think this is the Elijah. Elijah was a very famous uh, prophet in the Old Testament. Only a couple of chapters written about him, but what he did in those chapters were pretty uh, mind-blowing. After Elijah became another one, another prophet, you can be forgiven for getting them confused, but his name was Elisha. Elisha, very similar name. Elijah, then his, uh, he handed his ministry over to Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 42, there's a man, we don't know the man's name, there was a man who came from Baal uh, Shalashah, you, know, you all know where that is. Um, a man came from a place bringing the man of God, now this is Elisha, 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain along with some heads of new grain. He's bringing Elisha some sort of an offering. It's a thanksgiving, it's a, this is for you prophet, man of God. Um, He brought this man of God 20 loaves of bread. 
And Elisha says, give it to the people to eat. You feed the people. Feed the people, he says. And uh, this man says, how can I set this before a hundred men? He's got 20 loaves and he's thinking a hundred people. How can we feed feed a hundred people with 20 loaves? But Elisha said, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Does this remind you of what Jesus did this day? But he had not a hundred loaves, he had five. And he didn't have a hundred people, he had 5,000 and that's just the blokes. Uh, There was a great big crowd. We know when Jesus, the prophet, comes, he just does greater, his works are so much greater than everybody else in in the Old Testament because they do the works of God, but this is Jesus who is God. And he says to his disciples, you feed them. Well, they're baffled, uh, and they ask Jesus, this is, this is going to take a lot of money, uh, it's going to break the bank. But Jesus says in verse 38, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. They go and find out, and they have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus directed them to all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fishes, and, they, and, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave it to them... Uh, gave, he gave them to his disciples, the loaves and the fish, to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men that day uh, that had eaten was 5,000. Now, as I just reread that story, let me just point out what you just heard. The disciples went and investigated how much food they had. And they brought the food to Jesus. Jesus gave thanks and then gave it back to the disciples. The disciples sat the crowd down. And the disciples put them in order, hundreds and fifties. And the disciples then distributed the food to all. And then the disciples later pecked up all the baskets. What did Jesus do? Well, he performed the miracle, of course. But you see that Jesus is raising up shepherds for the, for the, for the people. You feed them. And that's exactly what they did. They fed the people. They did it through the power and the greatness of Jesus, but they fed the people. The disciples are learning to be shepherds. Uh, just imagine the scene, and um, Jill and I were just chatting last night about the scene, and, and I was impressed, like listening to Jill just reflect on it, just how much time it must have been. to, If you can imagine 5,000 plus people in a crowd and then just starting with one basket and trying to divide it out, just how much time that would have taken. The time itself is a miracle that it just got all, all spread out and because it began late in the day. So how, there's no mention of here of how much time. So you look in and the, the men's growth group that met this week, uh, they were amused at all the details of uh, where they get the baskets from and were the fish boned or not and all these things come to... There's so many questions that we have But what we mustn't overlook is that Jesus sees a crowd and calls them sheep without a shepherd. He says they need shepherding. And he shepherds them by teaching the word of God, by giving them the word of God. And then he is handing the baton over to his disciples and saying, you know what, this crowd, these these sheep, they're going to need a shepherd after I'm gone. So you feed them. You take the word of God to the people. And be the, be the shepherds for them long after I'm gone. Another little clue 
little piece of information that Mark gives us that I think steers us to another very, very famous Old Testament point in time. And that is in verse 39, Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Can you imagine Mark writing this out and thinking, We're about, this story is about feeding 5,000 people, but I better mention that the grass was green. Seems pretty important bit of detail there, you know. Um, friends, I cannot help when Jesus has said they're like sheep without a shepherd and he guides them and has them sit down on green grass and then feeds them. I can't help but think about Psalm 23. That the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he leads me to still waters. He lies me down on green pastures. Uh, at that point, I have to go and look up the Psalm 23. To, I don't memorize it that much. But he is, the, he is the shepherd that we all need. Friends, here's where I want to land this sermon. We weren't that, there that day. We're amazed 2,000 years later that Jesus is better than all of us. And so we want to give our, our lives to him. He's the king. And we're convinced of that as we read the scriptures. Jesus was raising up a new generation to feed the sheep so that we could benefit today from those who have taken the word of God, Jesus, and, and spread the gospel throughout the world. And so we, we give thanks that, for that. But friends, we are looking at a world that is like sheep that need a shepherd. And, and God says, you feed them. You feed the world, the word of God. We, uh, we may not find it, feel like we are adequate or capable of doing that. We might think, oh, that's for somebody else to do. But I wonder if that's true. I wonder if really this message today is for you to think, how, in what capacity am I feeding the world and, and bringing the good shepherd to the people? When you need things... When you need thing, things in this world, we often go to the pragmatics, don't we? We send people home to go and buy food for themselves. Or the second solution would be that we send one person to the shop and, and go and get food ready for the, the, the masses. But God's solution was to lift his eyes up to heaven and to give thanks to God for the little provision that we have and then see what God does with it. And I'm not suggesting that from now on we don't bring anything for morning tea but one biscuit and see how far that can stretch. Um, but I am suggesting that, friends, when it comes to solving problems in our world, in our life, it, we ought to think uh, like the disciples were taught to think that day, to bring your problems to God and pray about it. Bring your problems to God and pray about it. And one of the greatest problems in this world is the need for people to know Jesus. And if we think that our little church in Kingswood, what could we do? Then let's stop and pray about it. Let's ask God, how can we feed Kingswood, Caddens, Warrington, etc., the greater, greater, greater Kingswood community? How can we feed so many people? But you are the God uh, who does miracles, who works miracles, who sent Jesus into the world and promised us the gift of the Spirit as we bring the word of God uh, to everybody. Let me pray and, uh, and give thanks to God that he provides and ask God to help us to feed the sheep. Almighty God, we do thank you so much for the message of Jesus. We thank you that you have reminded us that we are like sheep who have gone astray. As uh, Isaiah teaches us, that we've all turned our own way, but you sent your son that our sins would be laid on him and that we could then have peace. Lord, this is such great news. 
Help us to be excited about this, just as the, the disciples were excited about the mission that they were on and being able to gather around Jesus. Lord, help us not to be underwhelmed by this message, but please grab us and, uh, and f- uh, fuel us with fire for knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have enabled us to know him. And we pray to you, Lord, that you'd help us here in Kingswood to ask you to help us to feed the sheep. We ask for your help in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, it's going to be uh, just a, few, a minute. We've got 60 seconds for the, um, for the band to come in. And, uh, and then we're going to close our, our service with song. Why don't you take a moment just to talk to God about what you've just heard. Um, have a little time of quiet self-reflection. And in just a second, the band will uh, lead us in our final song.